Hello and welcome to You Set the Tone, the podcast that takes an X-ray to the medical drama show ER. We examine the show with surgical precision and celebrate the high pressure and beating hearts of the show. My name is Sean. I am Ed. And I'm Sharon. And today we are talking about season four, episode eight, Freak Show. How are we all? Freak Show, baby, baby, Freak Show. That's how I am. I like it. (laughs) I like it. That was an interesting answer. Thanks. It was good. It was good. It works. Um, it. Uh, I like this episode because it kind of, it's it's it just goes from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot in this episode. So um, starting straight away, I think, obviously we have they have flown Juliana Margulies and uh, Anthony Edwards to Chicago to get that lovely run across the bridge, and Mark's actually nice. He's lighter. He's jogging, he looks bouncy, there's no, you know, sheen of existential dread in his eyes, you know, he's just, yeah, he's okay. And and and, and straight away, Carol says, oh gosh, you know, I, I, we've just come off the red eye, you know, we were on the red eye last night, you were like jogging mm. around and I feel yeah, like yeah. crap, um, which is, which is funny. Um, and, and she addresses it straight on, she talks about the fact that he's in a good mood and she's glad because he's been... A pain recently. There, there, there's a few <laughs> descriptions thrown out of how he's been, and he takes it. He's like, yeah, so yeah. this this breakdown he had with Doug in the previous episode, it seems to have really, really broken down quite quite a barrier, quite a wall mm-hmm. around the feelings that he had had bottled up inside the the woe is me yes. that he had really been living in, and the self you know, pity puddle he was in. Big time, big time. And Carol, who has been politely, but has been saying over the last while, I was like, can you stop being this? She was, she is, at least she's saying all these things with a smile because she can see this change in him. And she was like, we we were, you were this close to running out of friends, Mark. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, I think now is a good turnaround. He could start to pull it back. Yes. Yeah. And, and because they've obviously in the uh, last week's episode, they they'd had been on this kind of trip together as much as she wasn't there from the beginning. Mm. You know, they had this kind of moment together with Doug and they've got Doug also in common. It feels a bit like, you know, that thing when you spend a lot of time with somebody and you feel closer to them. And the yeah. next time you see them, I don't know, things just feel a bit nicer. And that, that's a sick feeling I got. I thought yeah. they really captured that kind of that really well. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Seeing their friends from complete removed from the place where they are, that they have most yeah. in common. Do you know what I mean they're, they're seeing them not just as a colleague that they think as a friend, but as a friend in toto because they've spent, the, you know, they they had this top experience together. And I know yeah. what you mean. It's it, it is great when you see something in new light, and it it makes them shine even brighter. And you realise you have yeah. connections outside of, you know, they realise <clears throat> there's other things that they, that connects them. It isn't just work. You kind of move past. This is just a work relationship this is yeah. actually a real yeah. relationship um friendship um so yeah that that's kind of that's how we open which is quite yeah nice. and thankfully they're going to have a lovely calm day you know they walk <laughs> into the er and oh dear so first of all it's absolutely jammers that in itself not massively shocking for er no. you know yeah. it's fine so okay great we're going to hit the ground running and then uh, Cynthia, who of course is seeing Mark, which will be uh, addressed again and again mm-hmm. and again in this episode. <sighs> yeah. She's uh... so Carol goes, 
hey, why, you know, oh, we're really busy, aren't we? And she goes, yeah, they're all here for your clinic. And she's just like, she's like a puppy. I'm, I've helped. I oh, did what yeah. you asked me to do. She's like, I told you to do this for next week. She's like, no, no, you said to put it in the paper for today. And Carol, that that tells you how Carol's day is going to go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she she's actually yeah she's put it in for today. Everybody's there. Carol's not ready. She hasn't got it, anything even set up. So chaos is going yeah, to yeah, yeah. chaos. And it's 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 crazy because it from this even though nobody's ready, this is definitely the clinic. So it means that even though everyone's in the same physical space, these are not ER patients. No. Which means Carol actually has to struggle to get doctors and nurses to help her because they all have their own cases i mean yeah. it is a normal day in the er for everybody else even carrie comes down and she's a you know she obviously what she sees when she walks in is carol's clinic spilling over into everything so she kind of gives carol a bit of a dressing down saying hang on you know yeah. you're now taking time off for this and you know you're you're unable to do a shift later on you said that this wouldn't impact your er duties and Car- you would be forgiven if carol just went ah would you ever <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> She, she doesn't and she's just like yes I, we were you know this has been kind of sideswiped yes. uh, she doesn't actually name Cynthia here but no, mm, she could have but yeah she, she could have would you have um, done I think I would have done I think um, I, yeah yeah I don't know because I'm not saying you're wrong but then you're like at this point in the day Carol still has enough uh, yeah. of her serotonin left <laughs> to be like okay hang on maybe we can do this that will change but, yes. Um, yes at the moment she's just like okay listen let's just make the best of it um and yeah uh so yeah poor poor cynthia this is one example today of just not getting things right no and and it's funny actually because we're always unhappy with her but carol and carol starts asking for help and weaver's a bit like i you know i can't really spare anyone and she says okay then i'll just you know leave the patients to the er then and i think weaver kind of realizes actually Mm -hmm. i'm gonna lose either way so i better give her somebody so um you know she she says you can take yoshu is a new rn yoshi takada is is here and he's the new rn and you can take him which is which is great carol's got somebody at least um yeah yeah oh yeah yeah. Yeah. of course sorry you're right we have the first appearance of yoshi this uh this week yeah Um, and he's so lovely and he's just been Mm. it's a it's we're led to believe or at least i took it up from weaver's initial statement was that oh he's only here to cover for the day of course that is not the case but that's how i took up the way weaver was describing him initially Mm. yes Uh, yeah so he's gonna help he's gonna help out uh carol so that's at least something which which she yeah. does um but all through the episode we do see her kind of trying to ask you know there's a moment where she's asking green for help she's asking other people to kind of pitch in um and she makes it work it's it's a tough day but 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 through and through with everything going on she finds a way to make it work even though Cynthia continuously is there to oh. <laughs> to make everything tough um also we have to mention that that Mark gave uh, Carol the letter that we saw in the previous episode at the beginning at the, on the bridge he says mm. you know and it says CH on the top front he hands it to Carol says here you go delivered from Doug I found it while I was unpacking so she's also in possession of that letter um 
I don't know if I do have to point out C.H. Cara Hathaway, also Cynthia Hooper, but I'm going to point that out now. I could remember his surname for a second. (laughs) Um, I'm sure that won't come to bite anybody. Not at all. No, 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 not at all. Do we want to follow Carol through the episode or do we want to... To stick with Mark or Carol? Oh, well, that's a oh oh oh, oh. Uh, all right. I'm going to be the deciding <laughs> vote here, Carol. Fabulous. I think this the clinic is just a big story because and also it's setting up a huge arc for Carol as well. Um, uh, but it, having said that, she doesn't have an awful lot of screen time. So, um, like Carol is run ragged, and she yeah. is absolutely you know she is rising to the occasion beautifully. Like we know, Carol can handle stress. Thank yes. God. Um. And, you know, she is dealing with patient after patient. She's having to turn people away because during the course of the day, Cynthia, who only means so well, but read the room, Cynthia. Common um, sense is not strong in that one. It's really, no. really not. The ER gets a phone call from a homeless shelter going, I believe the clinic is operational today. Can we come in? Cynthia says, yes, the clinic is operational today. I'm sure it's fine. And a busload of people turn up and Carol is put in the situation where she has to turn homeless people away and she is called out for it, which is obviously it's unfair on Carol from the homeless people's point of view. It's completely fair from their point of view. Yeah. Um, And it's just, it is so not what you would want the first day of this entirely new venture to be. And Harsh as it is to say, it is entirely Cynthia's fault. Yeah, it is. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have to give props to Carol because she is so inventive. So one thing she does is, well, we learn that the um, the uh, residents get meal vouchers. So Cynthia is trying to give Doyle her meal vouchers. Doyle says, I never get a chance to eat, so I'm, who cares? Mm. Uh, Carol takes them. And then what she does is she says to people, I'll give you a free meal if you promise to come back next week. So she uses them to give them, you know, to to kind of what cushion the blow, yeah. which is a great, you know, really good thinking. Um, but that's not before she's already under this stress. And she she takes, she does, she shouts at, Carol, uh, at Cynthia. She says to her, you know, <laughs> she's just livid and I would be the same. And she does do it in front of people. And Cynthia's a very sweet, soft person. So we know that this is oh. going to affect her. And it... She but has we all can the strength kind of, of the see. butterfly's wing, basically. Yeah, but you can see where Carol's coming from because she's just yeah. already, you know, Cynthia's dug this hole and pushed her in, and now she's kind of piling more crap on her. And I think she, That's... you must get to that point where you just you burst because somebody's just not getting it either, just like not understanding what they did. Yeah, and like I have, I have to say, Mark was right. Like he was like, you can't, I mean, like by all means, I'm not saying you're wrong to be annoyed. Yeah. You can't do this in front of patients because yeah. it's not just, you're not dressing down Cynthia, you're dressing down the ER, you're dressing down the hospital. And as frustrating as it is to be that person who is wound up to 90 and it's not their fault at all. Yeah. You have to do this. And even Mark, now I was laughing because Mark at least walks her in into the reception where there is no wall. <laughs> well, you're kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, you're thing. kind of doing the exact same thing. But yes, at least there was a structure. So that, that's the rules of ER. If she was to put a, a stepping stool yeah. between herself and Cynthia and then the, uh, 
the, the patients, she would have been absolutely covered. Exactly. But yeah. Cynthia also, like from a from an operational point of view, she's the kind of person where if you dress her down, it's only going to send her into more of a spiral. And I'm sure Mark is as aware of this as everyone else. So, you know, she has X amount of time left in her shift is now the fact that she's been shouted at going to make more mistakes happen. You know, is she going to ring the nearest hospital and say, actually send all your patients here? You know, <laughs> yeah, we've got yeah. a clinic. The thing I w- room is fine. <laughs> the thing I wonder about as well is actually Green's motives in this, because we know he's seeing uh, Cynthia. And I just wonder if he wasn't seeing the person who did this. Not that what Carol did was right, but would he have backed that person as much I just that that's the only other thing I wondered a bit I I was like if that had been Jerry or Randy I can't imagine Green would be backing them the same way but that's just I'm putting that I mean, out there Randy's a perfect human being so she wouldn't make that mistake she'd have sorted it out found them homes to go to do you know what I mean it's cured them all cured them all yeah yeah with the secret powers uh Jerry I don't think he'd have made a mistake do you know what I mean he's a bit of a silly lad but you know what I mean? That's... I think, well, he, because even he went, when uh, Cynthia was appointed, he kind of went, what do you mean she's got no experience? Jerry, mm. for his for his faffing about and for his firing rocket launchers, he, <laughs> do, he is actually good at the job he was contracted to do. Not all aspects, for example, don't fire rocket launchers, but, you know, he is Doesn't very, very hands. good on the <laughs> desk. Yeah, that, okay, that's a fair point. That is a fair that's a fair negative against Jerry. You're working in the hospital, mate. It's fairly straightforward. Like. <laughs> Carol, though, she does. So she she treats somebody called Hector. The mom is very grateful for the clinic. You know, it's very like, thank you so much. You know, I work part time. This is great because I can bring bring him in. Um, Hector comes in for something completely different, but he's also been complaining about a numb chin, which is something Carol is trying to to kind of diagnose throughout at one point she's on a computer and she's typing in something yeah. really fancy and uh, and mark says we'll just write num chin that'll help you yeah, yeah. Um, that was funny actually i liked that paralysis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's like no that's not gonna um whatever this program is on the computer maybe an early version of webmd we're not sure um <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it, it must be an early version of WebMD because it does pull up cancer. He, the boy's got mm. leukemia. There's this really sweet moment, though, where Carol is saying to Weaver, you know, can you come and help me because this kid's got leukemia and I want you to be able to explain mm. it. And Weaver says, no, you're co- you know, you've been with the family, you're competent, and yeah. kind of trusts her with that, which I thought was a really sweet moment. Um, she also said we see her team up with... Um, with Jeannie in this, you know, Jeannie's obviously, we've seen her, she's been laid off. She's really, you know, she's not happy. At the beginning of the episode, we see her as a bit more accepting of it, but by by about midway through, for a number of reasons, she decides she's going to help. She's going to help uh, Carol because as she says, you know, what can we ever do, fire her? Um, already happened. So she, because she can write scripts as a PA. So yeah. before Carol was having to wait till a doctor could come and, you know, write a script, but she could just have, Jeannie working with her and they make such a great little team um I thought and I thought if I was in the clinic I would I you know I'd feel in good hands with them too yeah yeah no I think so I think and it's funny because they bloody hated each other for a little while yeah you kind of forget Ah. don't you you're like oh hang on yeah um and I 
Oh, I wonder. I, 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 this isn't the case, but because of what we see of Genie's storyline this week, it's almost like, right, well, this week, everyone who's my friend is my enemy and every one of my enemies is my friend. <laughs> because we see her getting along very well with uh, Maggie at one point as well. And you're just like, what yeah. topsy-turvy land is this this week? Yeah. What is going on with Maggie this week? She is like a different human. It's like, oh, you. Yeah. But uh, well, is she? No, she's not. You know what? She she very much senses injustice and tries to right yeah. it, doesn't she? And that's what she feels. So she's. So I guess I understand her art completely. Um, before we go into any of that, the last thing we know about Carol is she's lost the letter. She's lost her CH letter. We don't know where it's gone. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm sure that's not going to come back to bite anybody. That's all fine. Uh, I think no, it's no, not, not at all. No. no. Yeah, I yeah. think they've just don't even mention it again. Um, so Carol, that's kind of Carol this week. We see her baptism by fire opening her clinic and and having to improvise. And she does it. She does brilliantly, I think. Obviously, it's stressful and she has her moment yeah. with Cynthia. But, but there we go. The clinic is now open and she's got some allies. She's got Yosh and she's got Jeannie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we, we, we'll have to see how the clinic goes for, for Carol. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh, there's, oh, there's stories ahead. Oh, but, um, stories. Oh. Now, to go back slightly now, so, so only fair, so Ed, you wanted to go with Mark next. So, um, so. Um, I know yes, the whole I way did. through that section, he was holding up a what about Mark sign. <laughs> I know, it was ridiculous. Like, Just a picture oh, of Anthony Green when he was young, yeah. when he was really Anthony cute. Green? Anthony what, Green, I like that. We've blurred the... Uh, we have, yeah, we have yeah. blurred him. Anthony Edwards, you know, as he points out many, many episodes ago, that's my name, I should remember it, but yeah. One oh, of our Twitter... Good. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, yeah, well, I, I, I agree. But what were you saying? Sorry. One of our Twitter followers shared some pictures of, of uh, that actor who I can't remember the name of when he was younger. And like, I mean, he's a good looking guy, but he was really cute when he was younger. He had long, floppy blonde hair. He was a proper like 80s twink. Oh, so, yes. Well, yeah, Goose, yeah. you know. Right. Goose, Goose good looking fella. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but, back to yeah. apparently my favourite Mark. Yes, your, your favourite. No, no, Ed. Why is Mark your favourite this week particularly? I just really like him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's in a good mood. So that, you know, we're getting a new Mark, which we're all... Exactly. I like, you know, redemption and and rebirth and that kind of thing. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was just saying, I'm over my let's kill him. Yes, and and we were getting, uh, it was because I'd mentioned before that as an audience member, it was beginning to grate. Again, the the positives that we've said before that with a long form storytelling like ER, you can do PTSD and it doesn't have to be done in five minutes and then, oh, I went and spoke to somebody and now I'm fine, you know. Um, But then on the flip side, again, as a viewer, it can be quite difficult to see that even though, it's quite realistic in the way it's depicted. So re- I realise now it's not, he hasn't just flicked a switch. Oh, thank goodness, Doug blew up at me and now I'm fine. There will still mm-hmm. be some things he has to deal with. Yeah. And now one of his issues is he seems to have gone from everyone can just feck off to now I want to please everyone. Yeah. And specifically Cynthia to the point where he is so dishonest throughout the episode and you can tell it's coming from a nice place, but this is this is going to bite him in the backside. 
Um, well, no. this is where I uh, I feel like I wanted to smack Mark because we know what Cynthia's like. We know how needy she is and how, you know, the slightest thing she will make a spinner story from. He buys her that Cindy necklace and gives it to her and makes a big thing about the fact that it's got a diamond in. And then later, Connie's like, you brought her a diamond necklace and really trying to point out the fact that this isn't this isn't just a little nothing you know that means something and green is just not getting it and that's where i'm like oh god this is even more dangerous than we thought because he really doesn't understand some of the things he's doing um so he buys her the necklace she's obviously completely overwhelmed is thinking a diamond you know that's kind of for life in 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 many ways yeah Um, well it's 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 hot I, i it's a bit cringy to watch i think yes it is yeah, it's um, like you can say what you like, Mark. I'm sure Mark is sitting there with his fingers in his ears, but I'm sure he knows it too, you know. Yeah. And it's now people are pointing it out to him, Mark, how much longer do you think this is going to go on before she's either looking for, and I think quite understandably expecting a key, you know, yes. or, yeah, or a drawer. That's know? what he has set up from South. This isn't her spinning it out of nothing. This is... You have given her that. And then also, as we said, you know, here comes back the aforementioned letter with CH, Cynthia Hooper. That's me, she says. She reads the letter that is obviously not meant for her. Um, and then she says to Green, you know, oh, you wrote me that letter and and I will do that and kisses him and is all very excited. And at that point, he could come clean and say, actually, that isn't. But he doesn't. He leans into it. Yes, I did write you that letter. It was all me. Um, so that's a love letter and a... yeah. A necklace with a diamond in it. There's something in there. She says, "Oh, what they said in the letter. Yes, we can." And I honestly thought that meant let's move in together. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Or yes, something big. You know, it's not huge. just like yes, we'll go for dinner. Obviously. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her or, reaction is all excited. So excited, and that doesn't yeah, scare yeah. him. He just goes with it. He's like, "Yeah, I'll just take it." You know, which is is very. <sighs> It's, it's not healthy behaviour, once again. No. This is just showing a very inconsiderate side of Mark who is looking for instant gratification, and that's the game he's playing at this moment with somebody mm. who's very sweet, very naive, very needy, as we've we've seen and heard. Um, you know, Doug has warned him off this tack. I felt like Connie was also warning him off the tack as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he's just not getting it. But from a work point of view, you know, we get to see him back to being a bit more, you know, green, not really just shouting at patients or kicking them out or or kind of, you know, uh, the stuff he has been doing. Um, so he's che- he's treating, sorry, somebody called Herb Spivak comes in with a python bite. Yes. He's hilarious of Herb Spivak. He's Brilliant. so funny. As throughout the episode I mean it's already it's compelling but throughout the episode we realize he's got lots of crazy things going on and we find out he's a lawyer and he is going to be helping the guy who had the python with a law case and to do as part of that he's been learning about pythons and you know handling pythons and the guy's actually brought the python in which is terrifying I think (laughs) (laughs) Like, pythons I mean, are it's sweethearts. pythons are sweethearts. Yeah, if they're not hungry, 
you're 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 doing good for yourself but it's I, I loved that scene of Mark trying to get, you know, a culture sample from <laughs> the Python. And even, you know, the Python handler was like, I love this Python. I'm not going yeah, near yeah. his mouth. So. Yeah. <laughs> but you expect everyone else to? Exactly. And Malik has to help too. Malik gets worked into yeah, kind yeah. of, you know, help kind of calm him down. And then Greeny's having to swab this. And this is one of those fun storylines where it's just like not taking anything too seriously. Um, one thing I have to say about Herb Spivak, though, is um, wow, he's hairy. It looks like a jumper. <laughs> 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 Poor Herb. Big witch hair. That's all I'm going to say. It's and... great. I've just never seen somebody... Like, there's this joke in one of the episodes of Friends, I think, where they said something about, oh, is he wearing a jumper? And he's like, no. because And I'd never understood what that looked like, but I saw Herb and I was like, yeah. ah. Some chaps are very hairy. I've seen chaps with hair growing out the back of their T-shirts. And while that's not for me... Oh, yeah, no. All, like more, all for it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love all that. Oh, you really it's just, like I've it, then? never seen it. I was just like, wow. Um, so we get Herb Spivak, who I think is quite an interesting, mm. interesting character. Um, we also, so we get Weaver telling Green he has to sign off the budget and he kind of questions the fact that she's got a pay rise mm. on that. Um, mm. And she quite rightly says, look, we've already discussed this. This has happened before. You should have said something earlier. This is this is back when he wasn't paying any attention to anything. Um, also, she's been taking on more responsibility. So, you know, that that kind of makes sense. Um, but for me, the thing, oh, sorry, the other thing we haven't talked about, but is interesting is we talk about Green's change of kind of mindset. The lawyer has dropped off some papers about the civil suit, Cynthia mm. says to him, mm-hmm. and he says, oh, I don't care, just drop them in there. My new thing is I'm not going to let anybody get to me, kind of, that's his that's his way of dealing with it, which I would also call, you know, putting head in sand because these problems are still going to be there, but his yeah. way of dealing with it is I don't, I'm not going to pay any attention. Um, Later on, this is where Herb gets a bit more involved because Herb is a lawyer, as we've heard, and, and mm-hmm. Green finds him in the doctor's lounge with the county general's lawyer. Um, I thought this was hilarious. Yeah. It was such a good episode. Uh, episode? Uh, such a good scene. Well, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was a really brilliant scene. Um, I love as well because this is something that is by no means unique to ER. Like, it's like every single lawyer knows every single other lawyer in all forms of like so the the fact that these two guys know each other yeah of course they do i mean i, yeah. I buy that straight away like i'm they all I'm totally hang out that. at the yeah. lawyer club exactly at the lawyer club hell um like it's 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 <laughs> grand i i have an express elevator down there i'll be joining little nas x in the pole to get down there so it's fine but um, i really really i just herb he just has this kind of instantly i like you yeah yeah, yeah. he's you charismatic know? isn't he yeah, like I now I don't know and what his intentions are. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, but I'm just like, yeah. Do you know what I? I'm buying what you're selling here. Yeah, um, yeah. And the he lists his prices to Mark, and I'm just like, I am in the wrong line of work. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, what I thought was really funny though is the way he his assessment. So the the county lawyer basically says to Green, 
oh, you're lucky you've got Herb, he's gonna, he's gonna take your case and you're gonna be fine with him, he's great. So we learn, you know, he's got this reputation as being great, but then he also says, we were about to fire you to Mark, which I thought was hilarious. Um, because yeah. that's kind of why I was wondering if anybody had noticed and how he was kind of getting away with a lot of the stuff he was doing, but obviously yeah, he wasn't anyway. So the, mm. the county lawyer leaves and her and, and Gawain says to Herb, you know, why did you tell him you're my lawyer? And he's like, I didn't, but that just, that's his inability <laughs> to listen. You know, that's what he does, his inattention to detail. And yeah. I just thought, I thought within, again, that, you know, that really small moment, you, you really got a sense of who Herb was and he is very detail oriented and probably really good at his job. Um, but that's when he says to Mark, because we, we hear the prices and they are crazy, £10,000 retainer, like $10,000 retainer, sorry, wow. And then, yeah. And he, But he has an interesting proposition for Mark. He says, look, I'm bored. I will take on your case if you let me shadow you and throw in a couple of ER procedures. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Now, now, Mark, be real careful <laughs> about how you answer this because just in case like yeah grand no problem come on enjoy the man's not a doctor the hell is he doing it in ER? yeah although i get the feeling that herb's the kind of lawyer that if something had gone wrong he would like he would um he would represent himself in the lawsuit and somehow manage to get damages from the people's family that he killed do you know what i mean like yeah right. <laughs> he just seems like he could do that um but it's an introduction of quite an interesting character because he he reoccurs quite a few times but but yeah we kind of and we kind of also get a sense because he stays in the er you know he gets discharged yeah. and then he sees a case come in and he follows it down so he has no sense of boundaries and no sense of the fact that he was in the doctor's lounge you know he just happened to be in there and it's like you get that idea of this kind of shifty character that he is so so that's what we have with Green this week. We've got him, you know, shouting at Carol, leading on Cynthia, being a better doctor, but also meeting this Herb guy. Um, different kind of attitude to, yeah. to, to work. Much healthier, I think. Yeah, I think, yes, definitely. This is, this is a good version of Mark. Let us yes. have more of this. Now, please. Yes, please. Maybe not so much as a partner, but as a doctor. Oh, yeah, that side needs development. Yes. I mean, I thought, so what's interesting in this episode, I think, is Weaver as well. So Weaver, we've seen, well, she gets, she's trying to get the budget signed off because Anspar wants to see it. So she gives that to Mark. She gets called out to her lights are on in her car. So she has to go and switch them off. She gets out. It's not her lights. It's Dr. Ellis who didn't want to come in to thank her because he didn't want to seem like he was playing favourites, but we learn they've taken on this consultancy firm and he's brought her the biggest bunch of flowers, known to man. <laughs> but also he kind of, he got the security guard on side to go and get and lie to Carrie about her, yeah. which I thought, I don't know, red flags are popping up it's, for me. It's a bit sleazy, isn't it? It is, it's very. Um... Also, you don't know what she was in the middle of. Yeah. It's not like she's doesn't have lives in the palm of her hand, <laughs> yeah. you know. So. That's true, actually. Yeah, like you know, Sherry, we need you outside. I'm literally holding a heart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was about to say she's wrist deep in a man's chest and she's pumping the heart manually. Oh, my car! Oh, right. Bear me. Bear with me. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, George Henry, take over. You know. Exactly. You know, Ellis is not not great. I feel at this point. Anyway, mm. we learn that about him. 
and this is kind of also where we get uh, so Jeannie and Weaver intersect quite a bit in this episode so mm. I think we could go to kind of discussing that because obviously Jeannie's still very annoyed with Weaver Weaver comes to find her in, in, in the morning and says to her you know oh by the way I've uh, you know Atlanta mm. Memorial Hospital called I gave them a brilliant reference you'll you'll definitely have a job there we find out Al's job that he'd gone up to find out has fallen through mm -hmm. Doyle's been in Jeannie's ear about the fact that you know she thinks she could be have been fired because of a HIV and she could uh, she knows lawyers who work on special cases like this with her LGBT yeah. group you know kind of pulling that into Jeannie's ear a little bit and we all know Jeannie didn't really want to leave I think she was trying to make the best of it but she doesn't want to she hears that Weaver you know is getting the has, is getting more money she confronts Weaver about that she says I want to look at the budget because that, yeah. you're telling me you stop money Weaver very much is like nope I'm not gonna let you do that so she goes to Anspa. How did you guys feel about this with Jeannie? So she goes to Anspa. I actually, I'm I'm with Jeannie at this point yes. because there's been enough hints dropped throughout the episode that she, yeah, she's starting to say, "Hang on, mm -hmm. hang on." Now this is this is not quite as clear cut as it was presented to me. With all due respect to Kerry, it was not presented to her. Well, because Kerry is honest, right? Kerry is, uh, I'm not doubting Kerry's intentions in any of this. And yeah. Jeannie was never supposed to hear about Kerry's pay rise. And Kerry is given a pay rise. She has taken on extra responsibility. I have yeah. no problem with that. But from Jeannie's point of view, the person who fired me has given themselves a $25,000 pay rise. Yeah. yeah. And they've hired a new nurse. Now she doesn't at this point know that, there was mm. a, there was a, so she's like, no, do you know what? Screw this. Absolutely screw this. This is not fair. Uh, we are now no longer guaranteed. Okay, great. Kerry did, in fairness, try and go and get Jeannie a job in Atlanta mm. Hospital. That's fantastic. Uh, Al's job has now fallen through. So by no means are they certain of a future in Atlanta. And then you have Maggie, who is, as you say, if someone mentions that's not right, Maggie will elbow her way through the door <laughs> to be like, I will fight for you. And she's straight away like, well, do you reckon it's your HIV status? And Jeannie's like, well, yeah. I hadn't considered that. I was like, how do you know that? And so she goes to Anspot. And I totally think based on how it's been presented to her and the information that she has, she does exactly the right thing here. Yeah. I'm surprised Maggie didn't like also go, and if you want something else, and hands are like, a cold 45 or something like that. Just I think she did. The point. And that's what she was holding in that. You don't ah, see it. She's got right, it kind of under the, the desk. desk and that's yeah, why yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. so, we'll give oh, you whatever. Right, then Kerry comes <laughs> in and he's all kind of, yeah. everything's yeah. fine. It's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. We're going to give I am we'll making the statement of my own free will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Maggie's just under the desk. Maybe even Jean's <laughs> Maggie's <laughs> under the desk. as well with her piece between Anspar's legs. Like, go on. Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, because in, in the end, you know, he basically says to her, you know, we'll give, give us a couple of days, we'll find the money, we'll find the money. Mm. And that's when Weaver and Jeannie have a bit of a showdown because Weaver says, you know, it wasn't about that. Yeah. Jeannie's like, how do I, you know, yeah. I don't. And, and I mean, this is something I brought up when she was first fired. Like, it'd be a factor I would definitely wonder about. Mm. A bit like, oh, especially since 
you know they'd had that disagreement about her putting her hands in that guy that that week I just yes exactly yeah the, you yeah. could make put those two you know two and two together and get maybe four maybe five yeah, yeah I, agree. I did like you mentioned about Carol and Jeannie suddenly being busy mates and you know Carol asked sorry Jeannie asked Carol for some sort of advice yeah. she's well what do you do if you haven't got any ammunition and Carol just gives that look of find the ammunition and Maggie's already you know loaded that actual literal gun she thought literally she's like oh right not literally then right okay yeah she's in the background like chuck, chuck, I'm ready <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one handed pump action shotgun yeah. thing yeah come on uh, yeah and I thought that was quite sweet as well because it's it's I don't know Jeannie's got other allies so far she's only really had Weaver and Weaver's kind of had her over a barrel in some ways being like you know I really fought for you with the HIV and I think there's a moment where somebody can always use that you know I was the one who fought for you and she says that in this moment um and I think I feel like they're both kind of right in different ways and I'm just glad Jeannie stays so whatever force she used I'm here for it that's that's it like Kerry we know again as an audience she is trying to do the best that she possibly can she is going full admin mode that's fine so they both yeah they're both right and you can absolutely see why they're button heads because from Kerry's point of view with the voice of Dr. Ellis in the back, Ellis West, sorry, in the back of her yeah, head yeah. going, you will never be thanked. You will, you know, you'll yeah. have to make the hard calls. You'll, yeah. She's like, well, this is just proving him correct. I went out on a limb for you. I did everything I could for you. And then Jeannie's just like, you know, kind of this person who has made such, a, you know, a big statement of having my back, having my corner, fighting for me. There was one time where, you know, I had to help the guy. My finger went into his chest cavity. Yes. And suddenly I'm fired. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You can definitely draw a pattern and a conclusion. And I mean, Anspar is very aware of that and is very, maybe not oh. that incident, but he's aware of kind of, you know, that her calling HIV, you know, he's like, we'll find the money, you know. Oh my God. Anspar was hilarious. Like, oh, well, <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll, we'll have a look. And Kerry's like, come on, you, we've been through the budget four or five times. And he's just yeah. like, shut up, Kerry. Uh, we'll go through it again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've got a pistol pointed at my pistol, leave it be. Yeah, absolutely. Do we really oh. need this that many gloves? Like, sanitized <laughs> yeah. gloves? Can't we just reuse them? <laughs> I mean, we've um, got these latex free gloves. We don't need those, right? <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, <laughs> um, I mean, should we, where do you want to go next? We've got Anna and Carter who have quite an interesting, and Henry, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, a big, huge part of this is is the Benton storyline as well. Uh, yes. let's, let's get into Benton and Romano and, and Corday. Yeah, I like their little story this week. Yeah. Um, because Sorry, little story. Uh, as in, the three of them, it's a kind of a little story. The, yeah. the story that it kind of revolves around is, it's quite fascinating. You know, yeah. a medical marvel comes in. This this poor little boy is hit by a car. Um, so Rodney. immediately, yeah. I know, I know that the poor, it's just like so. And then, you know, so straight away, it's a surgical case. And yeah. so it's grand. Benton comes down. And everyone is really confused because they're like, you know, it's kind of like, why are we getting a heartbeat from his knee? You know, <laughs> what, you know some things like that. We're like, yeah. are, are, the, are, the, are the instruments broken? Yeah. No. He's punching his spleen, but that can't be a spleen. That's too big. What, what's it's going like, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's in the top of his head. Um, <laughs> and it's because this, this poor little boy, he is, has been born with this condition where his organs are effectively, they are reversed. Yes. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, 
oh god oh this is not only is this incredibly important we, we fix 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 but everyone's got to do this backwards yes you know yeah everything there... you know you have to reverse which uh, romano <sighs> actually gets a joke in that is both sleazy as but i did snort laughing oh, when he oh yeah um so they're in the or and uh, uh there's there's a discussion before they go in which i'll come back to but anyway the, the three of them are in there and corday says you know oh I, could, I almost wish I could do this with a mirror over it. And he's just there going, ah, we should do the operation in my bedroom. So, <laughs> oh, you sleaze. That was funny. Uh, what, what, what's that trend going around? It's like, <laughs> it's a good joke, but you got to stop. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was just like, oh, Rocket, don't say that. Well, we mm-hmm. actually, what's interesting in this episode as well is we get a bit more about Rocket. So the beginning, the moment, the first time we see him and Benton, they're in the locker room and, and he's basically basically saying oh you know what a cute kid you've got well he calls him a little bugger but there you go anyway yeah um and Benton says oh you know do you have any kids and he's oh no I don't um so we know okay he's kind of he's single and he's out there and maybe the job is his he doesn't have kids he doesn't seem particularly interested in having kids Mm. It, it was quite nice that he took that interest in Benton but then he says to him you know um, do you think me, you and Corday can work together? Because that's what being on my team will basically yes. be. And I know you've had some run-ins with Corday. And obviously Benton at this point is, you know, willing to do anything. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. We're fine. We're great. And and Romano says to him, okay, great. We'll, we'll set up a session where there's a three of us in doing a surgery. And once we've done that, we'll figure out. And so when Rodney comes in, it be, he be, that becomes that case because Corday comes running over to Benton is like wow this is such an interesting case and Romano's like you should scrub in and Corday's like oh I don't know if Benton would be happy and Benton's like yes Mm. please be in the surgery this thrills me ever so (laughs) um and so that that, so that's that's kind of also on the line they've they've got this case but also for Benton he's got this I've got to show that I can work with Corday and and Romano so I can get this spot on this amazing team um and, uh, you know, we watched the surgery, which is all full of confusion and, and Corday has to keep stopping and trying to figure out why, what's going on. And Benton's obviously just working really hard and he kind of gets, get they get through it and little little Rodney's brought out. Also, there's that quip that Romano makes about the fact that, you know, have we, cut, well, he says, have we tracked down the family? And you kind of think, oh, look, he cares. And he goes, because we need no. them to sign the releases. And you're like, oh, okay, no, you do not. You just want, you know your your thing from this um and then the dad Isaac comes in and he actually went to school with with Benton yeah and he makes a real thing of oh no Benton was in a very different league you know he was going to go to university we were not I'm not from that yeah um Romano tries to exploit that a bit oh great you know him you'll get the release and I think Benton just feels so uncomfortable and and Corday's great because she picks up on it and she kind of says to him you know I could do the ask and he's like I just I don't feel comfortable asking him because I feel like we he might think we're using them and which he is which which they are but so I I I literally have written down here and I won't write this very often so enjoy it Romano's not wrong (gasps) I mean you have to if you don't study these strange cases if you don't put the work in then the next time this comes in again you go if only we had done the autopsy, we might have been able to help faster. We might have been able to do something. As he says, I mean, like the, the book Grey's Anatomy was not written by having people fill out a questionnaire. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, however grim 
it is that we think about how people came by medical knowledge. And there is a whole, I won't go into it here, but there is an entire ethical conundrum of how we came to have a lot of the medical knowledge that we have today. But the fact is, a lot of that medical knowledge saves lives. It does. So and you actually, have a case, because we, like you're saying, so the way they would get medical knowledge, because women were seen as we can't see, we're not able to see their bodies or be near their bodies or autopsy them or do anything, the female form and female biological and all the medical stuff is a lot less advanced because we that that knowledge wasn't there from the beginning it was a lot of guesswork oh they have wondering wombs they're hysterical because of yeah they yeah. would just make it all up so um I think the thing that came to my mind a little bit was was the case of Henrietta Lacks who was the black lady who that who died in America and they basically used her cells and body and, and lots of things from her to cure a lot of stuff today. So although it's done so much good in the world, they didn't actually ask the family and no. they didn't. So they kind of use this black woman's stuff against her. And, and there's a lot of mistrust between kind of black people in the medical industry for many reasons. And one of them is, you know, a lot of yeah. forced experimentation on them and lots of things like that. So I just wondered if that was also playing a little bit of a part, like the fact oh, that okay. this is a black kid as well. Yeah. Um, and so the exploitation is even more like, it, it's not the same as asking a white person because a right. black person's life may be seen as less. Or I'd, that's the that's just something I wondered if it was playing into this whole, very, whole thing. Very, possible. And then you've got the Tuskegee Airmen as well who were exposed to, was it syphilis, I think? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty horrible chapter of history. Um, yeah, it's, and I, I, I thought as well, I actually, and while this is one of the, for, for Benton, this is one of the episodes where so much of his right and wrong compass is just purely on show. But I yeah. think he leaned so hard into that, that entirely accidentally, I think he really judged Isaac that he wouldn't understand, that he wouldn't yeah. be able right. to deal yeah. with the medical side of everything. Because, you know, not just that he knew him, but just here was a, a, a black father who was very, you know, he was scattered. Of course, he's scattered initially. He's there, you know, praying for his boy to live. And then he's dealing with the fact that his boy has just died. Yeah. And Benton doesn't present all the facts to him in the cold light of day, which normally you're thinking of everyone it would be Benton who would be the one to like, listen, we need someone to go and present something in the cold light of day, get Benton. Yeah. And when Romano dresses him down, Romano's right. Yeah. And he says, give him more time, give him more time to come around. And he's like, no, it's not right. It's not right. And then nearly the very next scene, Corday's like, oh, we got, we got a uh, consent. You know, yeah. he's, he's going to do it. Yeah. He just needed more time. And I think it was just, again, with the nicest possible intentions it was nice nah, he's, he's not gonna he's too upset he's not gonna get it, he's not gonna get it and there was a lot of parallels that i really got where isaac is benton in a different outfit because what would i do if okay. my son was on the table yeah. yeah what would i do if i was presented with this and i think right now that if it was reese who was on the table it would be an absolute no from Benton. And he does oh, yeah. work in the medical profession. He understands yeah. how important it is. He'd be like, absolutely not. No way, not happening. Yeah, yeah. and I also wonder as well, because I I really got the sense with, with, um, with Isaac being somebody who was a classmate with Benton that also this could have been my life. If I didn't go this way, I would yeah. have been this guy. And 
Uh, and we see that come up quite a bit, this idea as well. I think he's spoken before about the fact that, you know, from his school, he, there's a, there's guilt in the sense that a bunch of them have died and he managed oh, to get out, you know. Yeah. So I just think there was just some, all of, there were so many bits at play. And I think underneath it all, I agree with you, Sean, I think Romano's right. And I think Benton overreacted or overthought it. Um, and if it had been a white parent or a parent maybe even that he didn't know it might have been a bit of a different outcome because you know as we know he's quite into facts and let's get the information and I just think there was a lot going on and him now also being a father you know yeah um I, I felt like all of that was playing into it I mean it's just heartbreaking because they're trying to save the, this boy's life he's like dying on them and they have to turn him over because it's basically his lungs are filling with blood and yeah. they're, they're they're really trying and Benton doesn't want to let go and Corday says you know at what point it's been 20 minutes you have to we have to call it and they have to call the death and it's it's really harrowing it's a really it tough is. moment with all the different players in there I think um and it's something about black fatherhood and yeah it is well. because there is there is a, a certain depiction of black fatherhood, and I think we've discussed this before again with uh, in in regards to Peter, is that there has been certainly portrayed in the media that you know absentee fatherism yeah. and yes. a lot of uh, single parents families having to deal with this, and and here you have Isaac who's so like obviously and massive props to Harold Perrineau in this episode. Oh, he just is yes. is amazing. He so he cares so hard. So did he. I would do anything for his son, and. You know, then you have Benton seeing this other black father who is here, and it's like, oh, that, that's me, that's me. And there is just a taste in our mouths of, is is this guy special because he's staying with his family? Which of course we right. shouldn't feel that way, but uh, you know, media has spoon fed it in such mm. a way that it's just like, oh no, this is this is special. We, we, he he deserves even more respect, even more. It's like, at the end of the day, this is just a father breaking piece by piece. Um, a friend, even though they're not friends, but a friend trying yeah. not to make it worse. And you almost have Corday, who's just like, she's the one who says, Peter, it's been 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, she's the one who gets consent. And, you know, funny enough, at the end of the episode, she's the one who, she goes out for drinks afterwards. Not that it doesn't bother her or anything, but she's just like, we're going to see this case again tomorrow. We're going to, well, not this particular yeah. case, but we're going to see, you know, kind of, Peter, if you can't get used to seeing fathers lose their kids and, you know, kids are in the table, you might have to start rethinking what you, what it is you want to do here. Yeah. I just thought what I loved about this storyline in this case as well is it really showed the dynamics. You know, you've got, you've got um, Romana, who's just Mr. Cut, get details, get information, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And we've got Benton, who's changed a lot in the sense that he do, he's more thoughtful about things. He seems, we've seen this softer side of him come out. And we've got Corday, who's really um, tuned into that. So she's the one who realises Benton's discomfort, you know, whereas Romano's just barking orders, walks off. She's like, is there anywhere yeah. I can help? She's going to be that one who can, I don't know, bridge a gap maybe between them or just allow them to work together better as a team because she's kind of helping to support and be there and be that emotional core that sometimes I feel Benton will probably need. Um, I mean, Benton and Romano have a whole thing at the end where Ben says, I don't want to ask him, you know, 
I feel like we're exploiting him I don't want to be part of it and she said Romano saying you know this is part of the job and this is how we make advances but then and, and Benton says to him I'm rethinking about being in your team because I don't think that this is this is for me um and then we learn at the end of the episode you know Corday says to Benton oh whatever you said to him the fact that you've got a backbone has really he likes that about you because you're in the team and he's signed you up for all these surgeries. So again, it was like another facet of Romano because he's different. Cause I get the sense that if you went across, when it against somebody like Vuslid or even Anspar, you wouldn't be in their team. You know, we saw how mm. Anspar was with Carter when Carter disagreed with him, you wouldn't be in the team. Whereas Benton disagreed with Romano and he still put him on the team. And I just thought that showed you, he was a different level of function and different kind of surgeon. It's such a, it's almost a, a false sense of security, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Because um, I was, I was watching this going like, hold on. I kind of like Romano in this episode. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, again, so uh, medically he's right in what he says, he's right. But then because think of it, initially he comes to Peter and says, you've made the shortlist. And what does Peter say? Cool. It was just like, Oh, Peter. Um, all right. Interesting response there to, you know, <laughs> Grant. And then, yeah. And even Romano kind of goes like, cool. Okay. Wasn't expecting that as the response, but all yeah. right. Um, and so like I, t- for my part, I thought there was no shortlist. This was just Romano going, right. Well, now I'm uh, definitely going to make I you work that. a little bit harder. Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. that too. Just playing the game a bit. Yeah, a, little a little bit. bit. Yeah. Thinking, all right, let's see what I can get. Peter too and then throughout the episode well you'll scrub in with Lizzie no problem at all okay by the end of it listen I don't want to be on your stupid team and Romano I think a little bit later on Romano will be like I'm gonna destroy you your family and everyone you've ever interacted with but this time he's just like I like people who have a personality I like people who are not just robots <laughs> ironically uh <laughs> let's uh <laughs> let's you know let's work together let's make something good yeah <laughs> And that's what I think is makes Romano a great character because there are moments where you do like him or you feel yeah. for him or you he's a hundred percent human, you know, that he's got his shades and they show all that. And and what I like about this is we've been so used to seeing these surgeons like Romano and Vucelidge, who are just an Edson in that whole climb the ladder and be all like that. And Romano's definitely got that side to him, but he really appreciates a, 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 somebody who is real with him. And we see that. From the beginning, you know, when he the first conversation he has with Benton, he, he pulls out Chris Rock rightly or wrongly, and Benton doesn't just agree with him and like, yeah, you should be able to use the N-word. He he kind of challenges him back a bit about that. And I think that's when Romano's intrigued. And and also, you know, throughout the episode, Romano's really complimentary towards Benton about his techniques. He's really like, you're a damn good surgeon, and and no thanks to Benton, who's a great surgeon, and you did so well in that surgery. And, and and that's something again, you know, is good that we're hearing that we see that he's not one of those I can't say nice things about you because it diminishes me. He's very much actually I'm gonna give you your thing and 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 that's a good manager as well. That's somebody who can who can kind of do that. So 
you know, it set up this this triangle of working between these three, um, which we now know will continue. And it's it's intriguing. And I think ultimately it's quite a satisfying one in lots yeah. of ways. Yeah. Um, They're all good foils for each other, aren't they, in their own little ways? Absolutely. And they and, and they can all have scenes with each separate. You know, you can mm. you have Corday and Benton, who when they have a scene is one thing. You have Romano and um, Corday, which is their own thing. And then you have Romano with Benton. And even those in their little twos are all offer something a bit different which I think is a really good show of an ensemble I guess is um is is what it is um mm -hmm. shall we move to uh, Anna and Carter and Henry yes yes yeah, yeah. Um, this is um like um Carter I love Carter in this I actually genuinely this is a good episode for Carter um yeah. I I love him in this because he's so Although Anna calls him on it, we'll get to that. He's so nice to Anna. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. Yep, absolutely. Whatever she yep, says, no she's though. right, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, Meg Ryan uh, could have been Anna and he could have been the person sort of going, I'll have what she's having. Um, <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what's going on here. Exactly, yeah. I mean, uh, from the off, he's very much he's really trying with her and she's just not giving a lot back. And he's like, Oh, have you not forgiven me? At one point he talks about a truce and she says, you know, I'm not at war. She's very much, I'm not fighting with you, but he's very overcompensating. Isn't he? Yes, he um, is. Yeah. Which is, you know, annoying and it's annoying. Anna, you can tell because, you know, already he's been so patronizing with everything he did before. And now he's doing this and it's, it's like I think, dude, give her some space. You know, give her a bit of a break. Get let her just, I don't know, have some time. But he's like, nope, I've got to be in her face. I've got to make everything right so that we're right from the beginning. Um, and then Henry comes along because it turns hmm. out because he was so absent from his, um, you yeah. know, his rounds that he hasn't actually passed his elective. Can can Carter just pass him? Which I think Carter probably wishes he'd just said yes at the time. But... <laughs> I get that feeling by the end. He's just like, yeah. I couldn't possibly, I couldn't possibly. Why didn't I just? Exactly. Yeah. This is all my own fault. Um, he says, no, you have to, you have to come back and do the elective. He tries to pour him off on Anna, but Anna doesn't, says, I oh, look, I don't need a med student. So Carter ends up with him. Um, and we see classic Henry. He spends ages with Mr. Kottmeyer, just minutes to, or something yeah talking about his pain and talking about and then trying to take a history and the worst thing he does is he doesn't sign him out properly so what happens is he finishes with Mr Kottmeyer and leaves and Anna comes in to do uh, her assessment on on Mr Kottmeyer so you know even the basics is just he's just completely missing and, and, and causing trouble oh yeah and like you know she's Oh, 100%, like, you know, initially, again, this is a big episode of, as per the information that they have been provided, their uh, their reaction is correct. So she's going to go, Carter, what are you doing taking my patient away from me? Like, this is ridiculous. It's like, because, yeah, what did she see? It's like, hello, what the hell? Um, <laughs> well, oh, Hen oh, just Henry, Henry, just go home. Henry, go Henry, home, go Henry, home. Henry, will you? But he also really doesn't care. So there's a moment where, you know, Carter's trying to take him through the wrist, trying to figure out what part of a wrist is fractured. And he just is like, I don't know, the wrist, like he does not care. Okay. And yeah, Carter's like, right, I'm going to teach you a mnemonic. And this is where it gets really cringy because then Anna comes to teach. She does the mnemonic differently. And straight away, Carter does that thing of, do Anna's, she's perfect, she's right. And uh. Anna's like, no, he's learnt yours brilliantly. 
Henry walks away and says, I'm just going to learn the names because he seems like somebody <laughs> mnemonic wouldn't work for anyway. Well, there um, is that as well, yeah. <laughs> so so, you, so we've got that. He's really frustrating um, Cartrax. He keeps going on about his allergies and Carter's like, take an antihistamine and get on with your, with your day. Uh, finally, you know, a gangbanger is brought in. He's got a tension pneumo. They need to put in a chest tube. He's trying to teach... Um, Henry had to do that. Henry's shaking, looks visibly ill, says, I yeah. don't feel well, collapses. And this is this is the moment that Carter, oh my gosh, this is the line that should go down in uh, infamy, is he says, slide Henry out of the way. That's what he <laughs> yeah. to Lydia. <laughs> I know, he assumes he's going to throw him. He says, I'll oh, sit down and put your head between your knees. It's another Ivan Foo, you know. Yeah. It's just... Forgetting that he was the same person. This I is know. him as well which is what is the worst is it's that real sense of just having no self-awareness about the fact that or any kind of compassion for you were in this same position not that long ago um but yes yeah, slide him out of the way Lydia um Lydia's like no he's cyanotic he's not well at all she has to go and get Green who has to run in Green takes over for Carter on the on the gangbanger and Carter and Anna basically are looking after after Henry, not, neither of them know what's going on. He's just yeah. getting worse and worse. And they just don't understand until they realise, oh, God, he's allergic to latex. His hands are all red and swollen as they're trying to get the gloves off him. It actually oh. does look pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, kind he died. Well, yeah, he kind of, he dies, doesn't he? And they have yeah, to kind yeah. of bring him back. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. quite... It's quite bad. And what I thought was funny is, is again, there's another funny Carter moment because somebody says, oh, you know, did he complain about anything? Carter said he's always complaining, <laughs> which, again, this guy's dying in front of you and you're still Hello. annoyed at him. Yeah, it's like, it's, you have to cut the guy a break, will you? It's all the same thing that, like, from the start, when he started wearing latex clothes, he started to sniff and itch and have a dry cough. And it's just like, oh, Carter. And he's yeah. almost like... George Henry's body's rejecting the idea of being a clinician. Do you know what I mean? On such yeah. a level, I think that's what they're suggesting that he can't even wear the gloves. What's he doing in this place? But and Carter's just not at any point being a doctor with his no. own, you know, <laughs> right in front of his face. Somebody is is falling apart, and he's just like, oh, he's just making it up in his head. Henry is an annoyance, so he's not going to listen to anything. Yeah. He's got this. He's got that. Um, Henry wakes back up. And tells them all that he had an out-of-body experience. He was no. floating in the room. Well, it starts out a bit Wizard of Ozzy because he's like, and you were there and you were there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he says he had this out-of-body experience and, and he could see himself. And he just looks so serene. And he says to mm. them that they were both these blue blurs that kind of connected. And it's all very dreamy. And, and considering how Carter's treated him, and it, mm. I'm sure it's the euphoria of waking up, but like... That is not how I would talk to Carter if I collapsed in front of Carter after the day he'd ha- I'd had with him. Mm. You know, that he wasn't listening to me or caring about anything I said. Like, um, he, he takes it well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of like, he takes dying and being treated kind of like... A, no, he did kind of bring it all on himself. But anyway, anyway. Um, oh, he was a funny little. He was he was such a pain in his first episode, and such a funny yeah, yeah. little side character in this episode. Yeah, yeah, he kind of came in to do this one little yeah. this thing. I think what's what's interesting to me is had he not, I don't know. I just thought as a 
the kind of work he was doing with the worms and all that he might have used latex at some point there but I guess not yeah that's a good point actually I did sort of consider that I was like I think there's a little bit of they have to kind of stretch because I mean if you work in a hospital odds are at some point you will wear latex gloves pretty quickly into your tenure yeah, um, yeah. Shreven, don't the janitorial staff wear latex gloves at some point as well? Yeah. Like, you know, Especially if they clean up bodily yeah. matter. Well, exa- exactly. Yeah. So I think, in, uh, which is not, oh God, I realized that, that came out. Even the janitor, I mean, sorry, everyone who works in the did building. Did you hear that, Sharon? I did. Oh, Condescension. Absolutely. It's such a snog. All jobs I, matter. Uh, yeah, man. Moving swiftly <laughs> along. Uh, not touching we that did, one with a barge pole. Uh, I get cancelled, Sharon. It's, it's happening yeah, it's happening it's over <laughs> we'll see you next week when you're on all the tv shows talking about being cancelled <laughs> and how was it working with her it was just awful it was just <laughs> terrible yeah. he said uh, her so it's not me so oh <laughs> <laughs> ah, see, cancellation doing a little bit of assuming gender there ed hmm okie dokie right you know, yeah she, who else is it gonna be excuse me sharon i'm sorry if you wish to identify as they you are absolutely welcome to do Thank so. You. I will not crap all over you the way Ed just has. Thank you. Damn you. Damn you to <laughs> hell. Crisscross. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I, I mean, the whole episode ends with Green in bed with Cynthia. He's brought her lingerie. So, again, he's, you know, over-gifting at this point. And, and they're giggling and happy. And she says she's happy to do whatever it is, but he has to go first. And then she lies him down was it putting hot wax or something on him i wasn't entirely sure what that what was I going on know. there really sure yeah um but that's kind of where this episode ends you know yeah it's a bit weird. it's a bit sleazy it's kind of a, mark, isn't it really yeah it bit. really is to play with somebody's emotions like that is just hideous but also he caught he heard carol say she lost the note and no. he didn't go oh hang on a minute i know where it is or like, even if he didn't want to say that to, um, you know, Cynthia himself, he could have sent Carol and said, oh, I saw Cynthia with something. And Carol could have gone, that's mine, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It, 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 I feel like Green is not coming across great with this whole Cynthia thing. Yeah. Um, this needs to end quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, and another delicious moment before we finish the episode is actually Carol's writing to... Doug because she misses him and she's writing him this letter and she she didn't get his letter and Corday walks up and she sees that she's writing a letter and Corday being Corday is just completely blunt is like oh you're writing a love letter you know and is it kind of I miss you or is it uh, I want to rip your pants off kind of yeah um, and then says to her, let's go out for a drink which I thought you know this is a really sweet friendship that's kind of forming here which I love as well. I like that. I think anybody else who was like, "Oh, you're writing a love letter," would have any Carol could have gone, "Yeah, go away." Yeah. But Corday charms her, and she's like, "Oh, it's you know, it's it's fun. It's us two having a chat, and let's go for a drink." And it's like, I love their little friendship. I know. I know. Really cute. Um, But that's the episode, which I thought was you know jam packed, full of stuff. Definitely sets up a lot of new things you know we've met a new rn yash uh yosh takada and we've got herb spivak who's gonna obviously do some damage in the future um should we do some ibers yes um yeah who wants to go first 
Sean? <laughs> uh, I didn't have mine ready and you completely called me on us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did have mine ready, actually. I'm sorry. Oh, Ed. Ed. I thought I didn't. I thought I didn't have it ready. I was. You're so mean. I, I, I'll take this for you if you like. Thank you. Would you mind? No, I'm going to go for uh, the, the actor who's playing Herb Spivak, uh, Dan Hedaya, who um, is a great actor. He's been in loads of things. He's been clueless. Oh, as, he's the dad. Uh, I love yeah, him. Yeah, he's the dad and clueless, yeah. He was in The Usual Suspects, um, in Mulholland Drive. And just so he was also in Cheers as uh, Nick Tortelli. And they had a short-lived uh, spin-off from Cheers because he played, Re- is it Rita's brother or something like that? I don't know Cheers enough. Yeah. I, well. I, 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 I know Rita though, yeah. yeah I know yeah, Rita, you know Rita by yeah, yeah. Well, again, he was, he was in the Mindy Project. He's Danny yes. Castellano's dad, the, well, the, the swine. Yeah. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't got that far to meet his dad. I think oh, I might have, I have to too. start watching it again because I love Danny Castellano more. Um, he's also in First Wives Club, which is one of the best films. Marvin's Room, that has, which is a really sweet film. I think uh, so, for yeah. Netflix UK and Ireland users, First Wives Clubs has literally just dropped. It has, it's, yeah. on, it's, it's on every year. Yeah, uh, Marvin's Room, which is a really sweet kind of indie film with Leonardo DiCaprio and oh, okay. um, Meryl Streep, which is a which is a, a really cute film, and The Adams Family as well. Yes, and uh, also if you're a fan of the probably least popular uh, film in the Alien franchise, who's in Alien Resurrection and got is that him? That's that's your man, General Perez. Oh my god, that film is a dumpster fire. <laughs> Written by Joss Whedon. Um, Another dumpster fire. Another dumpster fire, yeah. Um, Yeah. But he he sort of then mentioned that I'm just looking down the list of his his, the parts he's played, and a lot of them are Italian American parts, and they even mention that. Um, But he's actually Syrian. He's uh, he's family from Aleppo. Oh wow! Yeah, wouldn't have have guessed. No, no. I mean, yeah. I think he's Jewish in um, yeah, Horowitz, he, yeah. So I think he's Jewish in Clueless, but he's Italian in yeah, in Mindy. But yeah, he's uh, his family are actually from uh, like say from Syria, so he's actually Arabic, Arabian. Mm. Uh, yeah, a man who can do many things. Yeah, yes, he's a Sephardic yeah. Jew. Sephardic Jew. Yeah, I, I really like him. Whenever he's in stuff, I just I like his voice. I like his sort of it, when he plays a huckster like Herb Spivak. He's brilliant. just brilliant as brilliant uh, as yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Cher's dad as well. He's just like he's like the scary yeah. litigator guy, he's like shouting yeah. on the phone, but then with her, he's really sweet. Um yeah, yeah, it's 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 cute, right? Would you like to go next, Mr? I am finally ready. Yes, thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> uh my next one is Harold Perrineau, who played wow, Isaac. Um oh, so good. And yeah. you know him. Like you, you yeah. have seen one of the billion things that he's been in. He is such a good actor. Uh, yes. He was Mercutio in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, yes. which I still think is such a fabulous, a film. brilliant turn. Such uh, a great, so yeah. good, so good. He uh, from he took part in the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix Revolutions, yes. taking yeah. over for I think it's Tank's part in the first one. Uh, so he was great in that. He was in Twenty Eight Weeks Later. Uh, which I really enjoy. He was a helicopter pilot. Uh, he would have become, I think, uh, 
not known for, but quite well known because of Lost. He was yes. uh, yes. at least That's in the first two seasons. Now I kind of dropped out around season three. Same. It's but uh, so trying to have in. a rewatch, and I've just got bored of it already. I think it just got a bit all over the place. But again, yeah. this is only from secondhand. I I don't really yeah. really know. Um, he is now this one. Ed called this one earlier on. He is in Z Nation, uh, which is I believe a Netflix show. Yeah, or um, Z Nation, as you pronounce it. <laughs> um, so he is the last letter of the alphabet. Uh, he's an Omega <laughs> Nation. Um, yeah, uh, he's just he's just brilliant. Um, everything I've the, seen him in. He was in Fame, the TV show as well, which I thought was a oh, cute really? connection oh, with no Romano, because Romano was in the film, but he was in the TV show. And that scary um, show Oz, which was about prison, he was in that too. At some point, I think I should watch Oz, but I, st- I keep seeing clips and I keep thinking I'm not old enough to see Oz. I feel the same. I, I've heard yeah. things and I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. It's Grim to, to the highest. My my brother watched it and he, <clears throat> when he used to stay with my parents, he, he used to stay up quite late, became quite nocturnal. It was on late night on something, on Channel 4, I think. And he was just, he thought it was brutal, but like an amazing TV show for its, mm. yeah. I wonder how it is today because we've we've come so far in TV and I wonder if actually now we'd watch it and just be like, oh, okay, it's not so bad because we've... Oh, we've desensitised. Yeah, just because things have moved on quite a bit. I, I mean, I don't yeah. know it at all, but so many shows are, are kind yeah. of like that, whereas back then they weren't as... You would get like that kind of a show. Yeah. Um, okay, so my Iba is Gede Watanabe, who played Yosh Takada and plays Yay. and continues. Um, he's been in lots of things, 16 Candles, less said about that the better uh gremlins too he was in sesame street sabrina the teenage witch lots of things um but he's brilliant as yosh he, he just mm. he becomes part of the ensemble the nurse ensemble yeah. and, and one of those and and i just love him in that so yeah yeah um i'm just kind of i think kind of looking through i think that's nearly everyone because like we had obviously clancy brown two weeks ago so yeah, yeah still great episode for the cast alone yeah, absolutely. Yes, um, so I want to talk about uh, what happens to George Henry, which is the out-of-body experience or an OOB or an OBE. Um, partly because I, I seem to remember somebody saying that it's, it's a weird sort of dissociation. It's, it depends on your beliefs, I guess, whether you believe it is the soul or whatever leaving the body or whether it's just the brain doing weird things to itself. But yeah, it's um, it's a phenomenon in which a person perceives the world from a location outside their physical body. So it's a, it's a form of called autoscopy, where you see yourself. It's a really interesting thing. But it it can be caused or it can be induced by traumatic brain injury, sensory deprivation, near death experiences, some drugs, dehydration, sleep disorders. It's it's fascinating because even if you don't believe the the paranormal side as we've come to learn about it, it's like a dissociation between what is physically happening with you and what you're perceiving. So even if it's not the soul, it's still that weird disconnect between the body and the sense of self, which you could argue is another, it's just a synonym for the soul. But it's, yeah, it's a really fascinating, I I hardly recommend anybody to read the Wikipedia article, which I'm definitely not using as all the basis (laughs) of my... uh, research but yeah it's um very 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 interesting and it some people suggest it can be generated by artificial stimulation of the brain 
Um, and in fact, many, many years ago, there was a chap who was doing this study. Uh, it's the Miss Z study. So this guy called Ch Charles Tart in 1968 conducted an experiment on somebody called Miss Z for four nights in a sleep laboratory. She's attached to an EEG machine and they put a, a five digit code on a shelf above a bed. Um, and the first three nights she said, I, I didn't see the number up on the fourth, she gave it correctly. And so people were like, oh, wow, this is evidence that she did leave a body. Mm. But what they actually meant, somebody else uh, criticised and said, you didn't monitor the whole time. You didn't have a camera on her. Therefore, and how could you know that she didn't just go, oh, it's exactly. 1345. Yeah. And because we've got the, the, the study, you know, from the, you know, we've got EEG readings. There was a change in her EEG around that time because she got up. <laughs> it's consistent with her getting out of bed, keeping uh, the, the electrodes attached to her brain, having a look at the code, and then giving the, the researcher what he wanted to see, which is a problem in these kind of, you know, studies that sometimes the, the subject may consciously or unconsciously provide the, you know, provide the results that the researcher wants. It's really interesting, but it's, it's one of my favourite little nooks of, of like paranormal research is, is, yeah, people just making it up to make the, the research feel better. I think on that, I'm going to go and read that Wikipedia article <laughs> and I think we will call it there. Thanks for listening to our podcast about everything ER. Don't forget, you can find us on social media, on Instagram at you set the tone pod and at set underscore pod on Twitter. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And remember, you set the tone.